Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 127 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at OneOuter.com or tweet them to me or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, we are trying something new here. You're in New York uh, on another little trip back home. Well, in your home home country, country of birth. And uh, we're phoning in from your smartphone just now. Um, And it's sounding okay, so uh, tell the listeners what you're up to, what you've been up to for the last week, etc. Not a whole lot. Uh, Well, I came out here for some business things, but... but, uh now, I, honestly, one of the big reasons I'm out here is, uh, I, well, no, I mean, it, it's some business stuff I can't, can't really talk about too much. But, nah, there, it's good, though. There's a lot of people hanging out here that know a lot more about the poker scene. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also I'm dating this girl out here, and that's pretty cool. Life is good. Nice. Not going to lie. Life, nice. life is enjoyable. You're in Manhattan. Yeah, man. And you, you told me that you've been watching blizzards, and there's a lot of snow there just now. And- there's something always about New York in the snow. It's uh, amazing. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was pretty incredible. It was like 20, 22 inches here. Wow. And uh, I don't know how. I just uh, I want I wanted to come here for a little bit and escape Arizona. And I, I just booked the first hotel I saw, which was surprisingly really cheap. Uh, and. Yeah, it, but I was expecting like a little capsule hotel or something like that, and I got this really nice room that overlooks all of New York and has a, I don't know what you would call it, floor-to-ceiling window yeah. uh, at the end of the room, and I've, I just watched the entire blizzard from here. It was amazing. It was like one of the coolest experiences of my life, and I was teaching while I was doing it, and I, I was like, you know, I felt like one of those... Uh, kings of an empire, right? Mm. It, like looking out over his reign while he's on speakerphone. I, all I needed was a lit cigarette and a pinstripe suit. Yeah, Trump but, uh, Tower. Yeah. You've been in Alex Tower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve Bannon walking behind me. What do we do now, Alex? Well, you're the public face, but I'm the real genius behind this operation. <laughs> but uh, no, hold on a second. I need a little bit of my coffee. Okay. No, it was just, you know, after all the BS. Man, it was just cool, like, uh, it, it was just cool to just be out here and chill in a bit. I, I took a few days out off here, and I haven't been taking many days off because every three weeks there's been some huge uh, expense that I was just not prepared for after I went through my savings. It's like, you know, the divorce lawyers are going to be this much on this day, and then uh, 
your taxes are going to be this much on this day. And then mm-hmm. when I was leaving Costa Rica, <laughs> they were like, yeah, you're going to need like $275 to get all this luggage and those dogs out there. And then I get there and they're like, yeah, just kidding. It's 1164 and <laughs> it, so, like, yeah, it's just $900 more. And just $400 there, 900 bucks there, it's just been really stressful. And it was really nice to get a few days out here uh, just between business appointments, between lessons, and uh, just, just to kind of, like, hang out with some of my old friends, you know, finally start dating again uh, after, you know, soup to nuts. It's been a while since, uh, you know, it's a... And it was it was cool, man. It was just you know just I've just been chilling out here. I went to a jazz club in Harlem last night. That was pretty trippy, oh. and because uh, you know it's one of those things you always hear about, and it's like oh wait, I can still do that. Yeah, I could do that today if I still wanted to. So yeah, you know I took I, I took this lovely girl I'm dating to a jazz club in Harlem, and it was a really good time. And it was uh, yeah, it's just I've just been chilling. I watched a blizzard, um, and. What I meant to say, actually, was I watched a grocery store get ransacked before a blizzard, uh, which I'd never seen before in my life. I went to, I had a hankering for cheese, so I decided I'm going to go get some different types of cheese, right? So I go down to this grocery store, and there's, by the way, they're preparing for two feet of snow. I don't don't know what that is in metric, uh, but... I think it... Uh, is it 12 inches in a foot, is it, I think? Well done, yeah. Oh, you went really quiet, Alex. How about now? Can you hear me? Uh, still a bit muffled, still a bit muffled. How about now? Clear, clear, loud and clear. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. And welcome to the worst podcast ever, guys. You're going to no, be dealing with... No, this is on the road. You want Alex on the road, you want him every week, then this is it, so... Uh, but yeah, you're in Manhattan. You're in, you're living the dream. Yeah, I'm living the dream. Yeah, I got to. Yeah, watching a grocery store get ransacked was pretty amazing. People will say and do some things you would not expect out of them when there's three bananas left. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, these bananas are so green. This blizzard's probably going to take over the city if it goes on long enough for these to ripen. But they they don't seem to think that way. But yeah, man, living the dream. Uh, trying to. Trying to think of what else I've been doing, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Eight at yeah, chilling, chilling, man. Walking around the city, running around the city, uh, working a lot. Yeah, it's good. it's good to be back home. Yeah, I got I definitely got to get back to New York as an adult. As I say, the last time I was there, I was sixteen, just the way to be seventeen, and uh, you know, I didn't really. I was there for a week, and I loved it. It was amazing, but it's totally different place if I went now at this point in my life. So I've got to go back. It is on the list of a uh, place that I'll be going with uh, my fiance at some point. And there is something like about that New York in the winter and the snow. And I want to go around that time of year, even though it'll be freezing, you know, like it's, it's something about that. I want to do. So it's definitely on the list. Like, okay, I'm from the United States. I feel uncomfortable in New York, like in, as if I have entered a foreign country when I'm here, and not uncomfortable in a bad in a bad way, because uncomfortable at a gym can create champions, but uncomfortable in the sense that this city is very different than the rest of the world. Like I came here when I was 19. Uh, I was thinking about moving here when I was like 18, 19 years old. I came here and spent a month here, and I said no effing way. 
I, I can do because this place is fast paced. This place will cut you up. All the money you can, all the money you could ever dream of is here, and it's really hard to get it though because everybody else is going after it. And the winters are just frigid and freezing. The two times I've been here, there's been a blizzard, both times, right? And each time I'm just like, Jesus, Lord, when I'm outside. And then I've been here in the summer, and you walk across the street to go to the 7-Eleven, and your, your entire shirt is just soaked. This is mm. – no, this, this city, to, like, make it in this city to enjoy – this city is amazing, like – to me like this city has a rhythm and a pattern now that i came here now that i'm 29 so 10 years later i just love this city is like really integrated is another thing like everybody is with everybody you go to a typical diner you'll see all different types of people and everybody is a little ruder to each other but they more they treat each other like equals whereas when i was in seattle seattle has a veritable social structure and it, if you say this person is from this area, you have a very good chance of knowing what ethnicity they are, so sexual proclivity, because people tend to segregate themselves. This is, this is America at its finest. Uh, <laughs> New York City, I highly recommend anybody come here. This is, and check out the other uh, places, too. Check out Brooklyn, check out Queens, check out Astoria, Long Island City, Manhattan, all of it. I've been I've been having the time of my life exploring the city. It's kind of been a vacation, too. I was reconnecting with some old friends, trying to get my social life a bit more together. I want to do some stuff on the East Coast, but, God, I just love this city. It's, a, it's much – this is my respite from Bullhead City with all four of its <laughs> Uber drivers that need 15 minutes to get to your house and the sushi that looks like somebody stomped on some rice and then peed a little ketchup onto it. And, yeah, it's – you know, I mean, like, Bullhead City is great for, like, cutting expenses. The great thing about Bullhead City is there's no distractions, like, none. Mm-hmm. Even the gambling is boring in Laughlin across the street. It's a nice community. Nobody bothers anyone. Everything is dirt cheap. And there's no real distractions, right? Unless you'd really like to go get drunk with some meth dealers, I don't really see the attraction of uh, many parts of of uh bullhead city and then there's other parts that are like really nice but it's like retirement area mm-hmm. and retirement area you know there's just there's no it, it, it was calm it's a, it's a calm city it's really good for work and like laughlin is really cool i i don't know why laughlin laughlin i'm really starting to love because it, it looks like what i imagine las vegas looked like in the 1950s it really is just people coming in off the highway just Dust, co- I mean, like, uh, sand-covered uh, old saloons. Like, it really looks like that. And there's riverboats and stuff like and yeah. just old locals, like, spinning yarns. I love Laughlin, right? But it's, it's perfect because my house is 30 minutes away, so it's not like – it's like living in the suburbs outside of it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can – it takes – it, it takes time to get there, so there's a little entertainment, but not that much. And yeah, it's it's perfect for work. But yeah, like New York is, I I, I love this city so much. I had to come back again. I I just I'm, well, I, <laughs> if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, as the song says. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly, man. Well, and people say like Las Vegas. If you can make it in Las Vegas, you can make it anywhere. And it's like I've had years where I wasn't sober a majority of the days and I did make some money in Vegas right because Vegas does have some cheaper incomes and it's got some easier marks like New York 
like, there is a lot of big money here, which, you know, I, I've, I've been talking to people, like, you know, through my network, I'm talking to, like, publishing people and stuff like that, like, just trying to figure out that end of my business, uh, whether to self-publish, what to, and uh, not, if I do publish anything, like, mainstream publishing, again, I'm going to do it with D&B publishing, because they, they've been really kind to me, but just trying to figure out how to, you know, like, how to figure out, like, different industries work, you need to come out here. And if you want to meet somebody that can really change your life, a lot of them are in New York, whereas they might not be in Las Vegas. But like getting through the business sector here, there is a good reason they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. It, it is tough out here, man. Like this is, it's a good time though, dude. It feels good to be back in the game and not just, you know, no, nothing. I, I, I miss my Costa Rican family dearly and I miss all of them quite a bit but at the same time when you're just sitting there for a year and a half trying to get the paperwork finished out and yeah. trying to hammer out the last act like this is really starting to deplete my well it's, the next, it's the next chapter isn't it and you're living it no, you're living exactly it. and I, I mean i'm a little broker than i'd like to be than i probably should be at this point given the money i've made but i think when stuff like that happens life events i mean I, i've been going through myself some stuff recently as well um and it's like once you start that, like emptying the clip on stuff, problems. For some reason, it's like other stuff pops up, and it's just you can go from feeling oh, very stable and secure <laughs> with your savings to like, right, I need to really work my ass off again. You know, I, exactly I mean, different seasons. <laughs> and it, yeah, and it's like it's it can really just happen in a space of almost weeks, you know, and or less, <laughs> or less, you know. It happened to me in weeks, like, I always knew my marriage was on the rocks for a long time, and it wasn't, I look back now, and it, it's just a bunch of stuff, like, we were just too, we were just too young, and we didn't know what we were doing, and like, you know, me and my ex-wife had a really good conversation the other day, and I'm really glad she's a friend in my life, but it was like, just in a space of like nine days, my life was just upside down and destroyed, right? And I was like, what just happened? Like, I didn't see that coming at all. And you're sitting there like 10 days ago, you were doing a webinar and you were feeling really good about the future and you couldn't wait for the next trip you were going to take your wife to. And it's like, today you're, you're accepting you're probably going to be divorced, you know? <laughs> like, and yeah, it just takes nine days, you and know what I mean? you're checking if the leather glove fits you in a courtroom. <laughs> That's the reason I had to leave Costa Rica so briskly. <laughs> we were not talking about it tonight. <laughs> you, you think he really lost his money to taxes? No, no, no. That was the payoff to get the immigration to look the other way when he was leaving that tonight on, America's mo tonight on America's Most Wanted. <laughs> Before anybody says it, I love Costa Rica. I was trying to imitate one of those white anchors that would are one of those people that like tells rumors about people so yeah. i figured they would have a negative opinion of costa rica but yeah man you know what i one of the smartest things i've heard recently is no matter where you are in life you will have problems you will <laughs> uh bill gates has problems every single day and they're probably much worse than ours if you think about it because if he makes the wrong move he could potentially save 50,000 people are not save 50,000 yeah. people. So he's got the responsibilities of God on his shoulders, and he was just a geek. He was just a tech geek, you know? Mm -hmm. And now that he has, I should not say you know, but yeah, I can, I'm trying to speak 
better English because I am realizing I have a lot of crutch words when I speak. So you, I'm going to do this better now. Okay, so anywho, sorry, total derailment. I will get back on this thing. What was I talking about? Tell me about Bill, it. Bill Gates. Oh, yeah, Bill Gates has a ton of problems. Uh, all you want to do is upgrade your problems to what – it sounds strange. There's many poker players I know who are far more talented than I am, so they can pull this off. But all they want to do is travel the world, meet a lot of different women, drink a lot, do a lot of drugs, play a lot, gamble a lot, and make a lot of money. And that's – I know this sounds weird from me being a Christian, but I, I don't think – I don't – find anything wrong with it i just find it to be a really empty all the as a libertarian if all parties in this tale are willing participants it, i don't think it's the best decision but it's not my right to tell you you can't live your life that way but they're trying to live what they think is a good life there's a big difference between a good life and a full life a full life means you are going to have a lot of complex problems whether uh Having the problem of do I kick my 24-year-old child out of the house because he needs to learn how to take care of himself and he could possibly go homeless if I take a hard line here, or do I let him keep hanging out in the house and possibly smoking pot every three days or something along those lines? Having having those decisions are really hard, whether to cut, whether to coddle or do some tough love, but they all come in when you have kids, right? And that's one of the most meaningful things you could do in this world is to continue the human race, right? And so it, it just seems like you've got to upgrade your problems. And it, yeah, I'm, I'm sad that the problem I had was divorce, but I'm not sad that I took a shot while everybody else was, everybody else my age was, oh yeah, you, I, I don't really like a lot of behavior of men my age when it comes to women. I, I just think if you're going to, if you're going to lay with a woman, you should be really serious about it. That's just, maybe I'm old fashioned about that. That's obviously not what I thought when I was very young, but yeah. And I, I chose not to do that. I tried to take it seriously. It didn't work, you know, and such is life. We, we pick our problems. We pick our battles as Harry always yeah. says. And there's, there's no, I was just thinking there, there's no amount of money in the world that can insulate anybody from real life. It's like right. people are going to die in your life that you love. You're going to experience grief. You're going, people are going to, like, you, who you trusted are going to abuse that trust or let you down or what. It's like nothing you can do can stop that. You know, no amount of money you make can stop you experiencing that. All the money really does is, we've touched on it before, is like, you can't throw at a problem and, and, and help you deal with it, but you're still going to have problems forever. You know? Exactly. Well, I, it's funny you bring up passings. Like, my best friend in, uh, Costa, my best friend in Costa Rica, uh, he, his brother just got stabbed to death. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, in, uh, I'm in New York going to jazz clubs and stuff and I'm reading this on my cell phone I'm like this is not he's a great guy and it's just so sad to see what people go through and then and then yeah this actually I've what what anybody knows who Peter Falk is he had Jack Straw poker uh coaching he uh he passed away as far as I can tell on uh Facebook he was the guy who did the uh, the first webinar I ever did was with this guy, and we had many Skype talks, and I don't know what happened, but, you know, he passed away, and he survived by his his daughter. Yeah, that messed me up, 
speak. I, I feel like I should give him a shout out on the show. Peter Falk is was the nicest guy I could have ever worked with. Uh, I really was happy to do my first webinar with him. He really walked me through the process and showed me a model that really helped me feed my family over the years. And yeah, he. Uh, uh, it was really great to work with him, and it's, a, it's so sad. He was like forty something years old. He was just always a really nice dude, and yeah, just. <laughs> You never know what can happen. It was yeah, thrill. Yeah, it's life it's is brutal. Thrill. Yeah, that messed me up the whole day, bro. That uh anyway, I just wanted to shout him out because he was he was always I remember one of the funniest things I remember about him is he asked me if I was a vegan one time and I said what in the hell would give you that idea? And he said he, I had never been called that before in my life and I was trying to convince him, you know, this is very offensive, right? Because I like to eat meat and uh what was it? What was it? He was the first guy to suggest I battle rap. That, that he was the guy. He uh, he told me like you should get into that. Or he, he said like he he asked me why I hadn't gotten into it if I was so into it. And he made it sound like the easiest thing in the world. And I thought to him, it just made sense that you try something that you're into. And he could clearly tell I was into this. And yeah, unfortunately that guy passed. And he loved his daughter. Always talked about his daughter. So, uh, you know, Peter, we dedicate this one to you. Uh, uh, I think we have like 10 minutes left, so, you know, it's going to be like half a poker question, so I'm sorry it's not much more of a dedication, but I hope you're doing well up in paradise, buddy. So, uh, sorry we couldn't talk again. Yeah, we, we're going to try and do... Uh, me and Alex are recording two episodes back-to-back, so we're really trying to go and fire in with the questions. There will be a break. Um, I'm going away to, chat, to China, and uh, I will be uh, uploading the pro- podcast. I'll get them all set up so they go out on a Thursday night at the same time, uh, around about 8pm uh, UK time. And then the week I get back, literally the next day, I'm going to schedule and we'll get the, the next show uh, recorded with Alex. So we have got plenty of questions anyway, so now's as good a time as any to get into them. That's fire, um, man. The, fir- the first one is from Eric Emerson on Twitter. And he says, I've been reading that in live poker that I should be three betting polarized top and bottom of my range. Any thoughts, Alex? I uh, let me get. I thought the question was going to be longer, so let me get a hit of water. Okay. That was the. Uh, my voice is getting very dry today. Uh, I I don't agree with that. I I actually couldn't disagree more these days, because in the old days it was a really good idea because people would forebet to you or fold. So if they forebet you, you didn't want to have... Uh, it, w- it made a real good sense to have a polarized range because you either wanted a big hand that could five bet on the person or you wanted just absolute nothing, which was easy to fold. As flatting three bets has become more popular, and I have to say on this show, guys, there is nothing... I was really minimal about what I wrote in The Myth of Poker Talent, on these topics because everything seems to contradict everything the more I study this and it really blows my mind. I used to, I found a lot of guys couldn't make money flatting three bets. So I cut flatting three bets out of a lot of guys games. They started doing way better. Then there was a few guys who could do it. And I was trying to quantify why that was. And it it just goes back and forth all the time, but it does seem like, in general, flatting big three bets seems to be a really bad idea. Flatting 2.5x three bets, something like that. 
And for whatever reason, everybody these days just wants to fight back when they see when they see people do these big three bets. So it actually makes more sense to three bet the middle of your range. Say King Jack offsuit. King Jack offsuit, I would not open under the gun, but I might three bet King Jack offsuit more often these days in position than I would open it from early position. Uh, that is solely because. People these days do like to open Jack 8 suited, and then they flat the 3-bet, which is very yeah. strange to me. Uh, I don't know why that is, but it, this would make the middle of your range he- more healthy, uh, healthier in regards to post-flop value. So I do believe that's something you should pursue. Everything these days is position. People are very positionally unaware. Uh, it's your job to take advantage of that. There seems to be this, like, Almost, like, you know when we talk about waves of poker and stuff, like the TV, Gus Hansen, everyone remembers his early TV appearances playing, the, you know, the 2-4 off and what, from any position, and uh, when he had to get through in that poker, I can't remember what it was called, was it Poker Championship? It was like rounds, yeah, he shoved yeah, all, yeah. In blind, all in blind every hand. What was it called yeah. again? Was it Poker Superstars? Yeah, that was it, yeah. I did nothing but watch poker. I did nothing but... I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show, but the reason I'm so intimately... All I did in high school, I was such a, I was such a lonely, confused kid, and I was just so depressed all the time. I used to record every poker show there was and re-watch them and re-watch them until the tape burned out because I didn't have money to play poker. I didn't... Well, I, I had money to play at school, but there wasn't always a game, so... I watched Eskimo Clark finish second in a tournament 19, no less than 19 times. I, just, I knew the outcome of every hand. I just wanted to watch it. I had WPT Season 1 on DVD. And, yeah, Poker Superstars was the one I didn't like because Gus Hansen just opens everything and wins every pot. I was like, this isn't poker. You're, you know, I was a huge nit back then. I was like, you can't open the ace-queen from under the gun. He's opening, like, three, seven off, and everybody's folding. Yeah. And, yeah, I was like, it, then eventually I wanted to be that guy, right? So at my local games, I just decided to start opening and triple-barreling every pot and dude the weirdest thing is it used to work quite a bit back then <laughs> people would just be like i guess i guess he's got top two pair i got i got a full top pair because it was so preposterously bad back then but yeah yeah everybody that was the cycle and what were you going to say about the cycle well it's sort of like it's came to this place where there's still that thought or like when i played live recently it's like aggression for aggression's sake or something it's like almost just it, Ooh, nobody, no, no, nobody folds like three bet. You're like, there's no way the guys fold it. You know, he's open. You can just tell. It's like, right. no matter what you make, it, this guy's <laughs> yeah. calling. You know, it's, well, it seems to be confusion, and then it seems definitely like a tight, aggressive game. It always comes back to this sort of like, tight is right, really. As a je- if you're looking for general rules, you know. Well, the, the the thing about poker is the blinds generally are not big enough to make you play that many hands. Now, the the, the, the blinds are sort of the propeller that spins around uh, the churn or whatever that gets the action to go. Now, if it's a very small... If you're 
better with one big blind when everybody has 100 big blinds. You're not really paddling the ocean that much when there's a 1,000 big blinds out there between 10 people. But people act as if that one big blind coming through their stack is going to take 25% of their chips, so it's time to open the 4-8 of diamonds. And I don't get that. I just don't Mm. understand it because where I started, you could play 20 hands and just make money hand over fist in poker because there were such small blinds in these cash games and everybody gave you action. Now people will give you action with close to anything. So it's all my lessons are right now with some people are just telling them that no King Jack offsuit is something I had. Uh, I had a student. He's 60 years old. He's uh, he's from the, he's from the Midwest and he's got that accent. I said, you know, so, you know, I'm not going to use his real name, you know, uh, so, Jack, uh, did, when you re-raise people, did they call you? And he goes, yeah. And I said, what what'd they call you with a three-off suit? And I'm like, from what position did you three-bet them from? Under the gun. You three-bet an under-the-gun guy? Yeah. And the, he called you with eight three-off. Yeah. And I'm like, poker's dead. 60-year-old Midwesterner three-bets you. <laughs> call with eight three. By the way, all the, the players that are reporting doing this kind of stuff in sometimes okay eight three is obviously pretty bad but i've heard it's hand histories where seven four suited under the gun okay i'm gonna open this right and then oh i got three bet but it's only 2.4x i think i could make this work call and now we're playing a big three bet pot out of position with four seven high i don't i don't know what what day i skipped on poker school but i i just don't know what's going on oh then they flop the flop comes king seven four and the guys got kings and they got oh it was a cooler i had bottom two and you had, you had a <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cooler cooler yeah. i, I never over the seven four against the 60 year old with the kings you know? <laughs> exactly. yeah and then oh yeah well and then uh well the funny thing is when the board when my guy has king jack offsuit and the the board comes king seven four and the guy the guy ends up winning a big pot and he goes that's why I play those hands it's that happens so rarely <laughs> that doesn't happen that much it feels really good when it does happen but most of the time you hit your two pair and the other guy hit nothing you know how he probably has nothing you have two pairs you're blocking everything so he most likely has nothing so you're gonna check he's gonna bet you're gonna raise he's gonna look really pissed off and he's gonna fold <laughs> you got your 5.5 big blinds you're taking them down buddy this really counteracts all the times you blank p- totally the only way you can pull that play off is if your check raise game is immaculate if you have the other guy just pegged there's only a few guys who can do that i'm not going to say their names uh just because they're pretty big players and uh, the only guys who I've seen pull it off have really good numbers as far as like post-pop aggression, being able to check raise, being able to do that stuff. But even then, it's not the greatest of ideas to just get out there all the time, get out of line all the time. But, yeah, uh, I guess we should answer another question, huh? Yeah, yeah, this one is a hand history, and it is from Patrick. Okay. And he writes in and says, Okay, I played this hand at 100 NL, looking for some input. We were playing six-handed, folded to me on the button, I'm playing around $100. I raised $3 with ace-nine of diamonds on the button. The big blind is a loose-aggressive guy. He makes it $10. Okay. I, I flat. 
The flop okay. is six of diamonds, seven of diamonds, two of spades. So I flop the nut flush draw with two overs. Mm. I check and he bets twelve dollars. He's I make it position correct. Sorry. It, it, his okay. He said I checked. He's, he's on the button. He's on the. Okay. He's on the button. The flop is six, seven diamonds. Yeah, yeah not that. He flatted the three bet, but then he goes, I checked, which would in oh. he's in the small. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is he on the button or the small block? No, he says he's on the button. He okay, okay. he button. just... It must be a mistake. Okay, so. He must mean the guy... The, uh, he, no, the guy, the guy bets $12. It okay. It must be. Uh, I make it $35. Okay. He ships, and I put my last 50-odd dollars in with the... Not flush draw and two overs. He has jacks. I ran the hand against over pairs and I was 47% equity. So it actually got me thinking, should I even be getting it in here? Yes, you should, because there's money before that spot that would even out the whole hand a little bit. The, the other thing you don't you forget is sometimes he has king-queen of diamonds there, king-jack of diamonds, king-ten of diamonds, uh, mm. queen-jack of diamonds, queen-ten of diamonds, queen-nine of diamonds. Oh, you're good. <laughs> queen-eight. Queen eight. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have him, you you have the odds like 80-20 here. Uh, Actually, I have no idea what the odds are for flush over flush draw. I I don't think it's that good, but it's 70, I'm going to guess 74% equity for you. It's pretty good. Uh, The other thing you forget is uh, uh, there's many times he just see bets there, you raise, and the other guy folds. Uh, All that money equates to something. If he has ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack, ace-ten, offsuit, you were hammered pre-flop, and now you just, you just took the pot. And uh, all those times he bets in full to add up to a different little part of the tree on Cardrunner's EV. We're going to paint a happy little tree here on Cardrunner's EV. And, uh, <laughs> Sound like that guy that used to... Was it, what was the artist's name? Was it Bob? Yeah, I don't know. The, white, the joy of painting. Yeah. I don't remember what his name was, but yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, essentially, that little part of the tree is pulling in a pretty nice profit. And so, yeah, you, uh, uh, yeah, I, the, the play is not, uh, the big argument to me there is, in tournament poker, I, I'm thinking that's a fold preflop if the guy's tight enough, which, I, okay, that, that, that could be applicable to anyone. But if, if the guy there has just been tight aggressive the whole day and I haven't seen him get out of line, I fold their pre-flop in a tournament, whereas in a cash game, no way, no how, because this is a profitable play. But do you really want to take that flip in a tournament is the question. I don't know the answer to that question yet. Yeah. My Even, hypothesis so, is, is no. Sorry, sorry, Alex. I was talking over there because it was like a feedback. On you go. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Uh, I'm done talking. You go now. No, I was saying what you said in a tournament. So obviously, he said he's playing six-handed. So if it was that way and it's folded to him on the button, would like you're not opening like ace nine there, like suited unless you got. I suppose it depends on your stack and stuff because it might just be an open ship, isn't it? If you've got right, you know, whatever yep, stack, it, it's it's still an open, and generally you flat the three bed. But uh, if you if the guy, I'm specifically thinking in terms of three x to ten x. I see that happen a lot in live tournaments, and I've just folded. Uh, and it, it, I've been testing this out the last year, and remember, I've been pretty banged up the last year, and I'm just missing final tables, making multiple final tables. I made two final tables. I bubbled a third, right, it, out of five trips or something like that. And 
I just folded in all of these spots, and then I was I was thinking this is what Phil Homie does. Then he has a bunch of chips for when he does have a guy pegged at the mm-hmm. table. It takes all the money from him. But I don't know where the line is. And my 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 hypothesis is Daniel Negreanu and Phil Hellmuth go through year or guys like that, like really savvy live tournament pros, Jason Mercier, etc. Uh, they they go through years where they're calibrated, and there's other years they're not. I don't know what that is. Where you go, okay, I need to take this, I need to take this edge today because this game is this way. I don't. I, I find that to be the art in poker, and I find it very, very difficult. Uh, to, because here, here's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I, I'll tell you if you look up on any equity count, everything this guy just did is profitable. Patrick, everything Patrick just did is profitable, right? The question is, do you want that in a tournament? And I don't know the answer yet. My guess is, is if you can play every day and the tournament is fairly low-flying and faster structure, yes, you have to take that spot. My guess is in the big, big WPTs, EPTs, I think that's a generally a bad idea, especially if you can exercise an extreme edge over the field. Or not extreme, but a good-sized edge for that type of tournament. It might just be a 4% ROI uptick compared to the other guy. So it, it's, yeah, it, uh, the pain of knowing when to execute is quite profound here. Now, anyhow, uh, now I'm now I'm into my smarty pants voice. Let's go to another question. <laughs> okay, uh, the next one is a guy who has emailed in, uh, used to email in quite a lot, but then he's just emailed in for the first time in a long time I can remember, and it is uh, Jacob. I'll um, forgiven you for being an anti-Semite. Oh, no, that's not. J- J- Jacob Durst. Um, <laughs> and uh, he lives in China, uh, and I, he sent in three questions. So the first one I'm going to pick is one that we can kind of finish this podcast on. Uh, and then we'll, the next show we record, we're going to do his next two questions. So the first one um, is, I've lived in China for five years, and I'm considering moving back home to America within the next 12 months. For Alex, what has been your experience moving back to the United States of Trump? Did you experience <laughs> any Did you experience any reverse culture shock? And that's a good way to end this show on. Ooh, 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 that's really good. Oh, God, let me see what I can come up with. You guys got to remember, I was outside of the United States for almost 10 years. Uh, So when I came back, first thing is, I can't believe how good wireless service is in the good parts of the country. Right now, I'm on a wireless network talking to you all, and it's been more or less fine, right, Barry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. when I left the United States, you could not make calls over a wireless network. There was no WhatsApp, and cell phones were $600, $700 for a really good smartphone. And then, even then, service was spotty. The iPhone broke all the time. I bought an $80 smartphone coming back here that is better than any phone I have ever used in my life. The battery life is 20 hours. The way technology... the uh, Honestly, the way capitalism drives technology here and the way it brings down prices is absolutely insane to me. I cannot believe how cheap everything is in the electronics aisle. I went and got this amazing system, uh, not amazing system, but really good system for listening to music uh, on, uh, as if you guys needed to know what a system was. Uh, well, perhaps some listeners don't understand, but it was like $19.30 and it, w- it could shake 
Carlos's like teeth could chatter in the room three rooms away if I turn it up as loud as possible with the bass, right? It is such a nice system. It's 19 bucks. And that's amazing to me. The other culture shock thing is everything is so effing expensive otherwise in this country. There's so many... You, you buy... I just went and bought my breakfast. It's $9.99 for the breakfast. After, after taxes and automatic gratuity, why it's automatic, I don't know. It's $12.50. And you, have, you tip for everything here. You, you, somebody grabs your jacket, hand them a dollar. Uh, somebody uh, uh, it delivers your food, hand them two. And it, people do expect tips out here a lot. And every, uh, just every, you take an Uber through t- 10, 20 blocks, it's like 30 bucks. Whereas in the Czech Republic, and this is obviously in certain areas, they change the prices for certain areas. Uh, in New York, you're going to pay a small fortune. Uh, in Bullhead City, you still pay a decent amount. But when I was in the Czech Republic, I would take a car that far and pay $3.25. And uh, when I was in Costa Rica, I would pay $8. Uh, so it's a lot of the, just how the economy works around here, how it's so much more geared to higher stakes players is really surprising to me. Uh, the kindness of Americans really blows my mind. Uh, Americans really... There's a lot of times in other cultures, especially in Eastern European cultures or Asian cultures that I've spent a lot of time in, where people, it, it, they're just not expected to be really nice, so they're not. And um, mm-hmm. here I see a lot of Americans like really trying to help others, really trying. Uh, it, it's really crazy how diverse this country is, how I can be at a party and just be the only white person it's it's very it's very normal and uh, these are not a it's it's not partitioned off as it were there were certain events and centers i could go to in costa rica where i knew i'd be the only american who'd ever gone there but i i it's not like that here it's just it's so much the other thing is how divided the country is uh outside of the integration like it's you go to these, you go to these big cities, and people have learned how to live with each other in some sense. And then you go out to the small communities. Uh, there's still flying Confederate flags in uh, Bullhead City. Uh, for those of you who are not from the United States, who don't know what that means, uh, we just had a big deal here in the United States, where the Confederate flag was the flag of the Southern during our civil war and part of their constitution was about owning slaves. And, uh, yeah, some, some people still fly that flag. And, uh, it's, it's weird because race relations in a lot of the world is it's neither here nor there. People, people do talk about it, but it's not the thing that's really bewildering to me in the United States is how diverse this country is just as far as, not not even just ethnicity, but just political views, people, environments, terrain. You, you the biggest metropolis. Like the, I love New York because it's the big. I've always had an affinity for cities, and this city just goes as far as the eye can see, and it's just gorgeous to me, right? And then you can go to you can just drive 
in the United States and then be at mountains. And you can drive down for 20 hours and see white sand beaches. And the people change everywhere. The politics change. Everything changes. And you recognize America is like 50 separate countries. And it's a very diverse and unfortunately there's different parts that I don't really like about this country, but there's, it's, it's just, it's a diverse country all of its own and it's developed very differently than the rest of the world because it is so isolated from everywhere else. And it's, it's very fascinating coming back as a, it feels like an alien from another planet because my entire adulthood has been served outside of this country because I feel like an immigrant coming to the United States is like, look at how big this country is. Look how much is going on. Think of, you go into a coffee shop here, and it's just like everything is moving, and bam, 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 all different people. Like, and it, it, it's, it's really wondrous. It, it is, there is something special about it. And I, I guess the other culture shock, I, I guess it, it just seeing how fast this country goes, how expensive this country can be, the, the divide a little bit. I hate when people talk about income inequality, but because usually they have no solutions other than whatever, whatever politician they're worshiping at that time. And, but everybody I know has two jobs to, who's making it in the States. It, it's just, it, everybody is working constantly Saturdays, Sundays, and always hustling. This is a country of people hustling. It's hard to find that small-town America now where you just work, you clock in, you clock out. And the average standard of living here is really high, but you've you got to work for it pretty well. And it's, it's different. It's, it's, I, I, I like being out in America because I think generally people are nervous and anxious because if you think about, okay, there's 20 uh, hominids, there's 20 homo sapiens, excuse me, uh, there's 20 homo sapiens that are eating from an anthill. Which one is going to come up with a tool? It's going to be the most dissatisfied one. It's going to be the one out of 20 that's dissatisfied that's going to take the blade of grass and put it into that anthill and create the first tool. That offspring that is more likely to reproduce is going to be anxious, and the most anxious of that, that offspring will become even more successful. We are seeing culmination of all of that in the world these days, and remember... The United States is founded entirely by immigrants. So think about the genetic makeup of the people who decide, you know what, this life that goes back 22 generations here in Ireland, I want to uproot all of that for the new world. Now, I'm t ditching this country. I'm never going to see this country again. Because remember, back then, you left your country. You left. It cost you everything to get on that boat to come to America. We didn't even know that. And this country is from descendant of those people. So everybody on earth is already super anxious. And these are the most anxious, driven, crazy people, which is that's my hypothesis as to why we have so many shootings, why we have so much mental illness. That is, I've thought about this for a very long time. And I think that is quintessentially what is being American about. It is about being a risk taker. It is about being a little nuts. And you know what, man, since they're my people, I love to be here, and I hope you love coming back too, man. Yeah. Okay. Um. Little bit there uh, near the end sounded like Alex was scuba diving in Manhattan, but that is the call because he, uh, we're on the four G or whatever it is there. Um. So we're going to wrap this episode up. Me and Alex are going to take five minute break, and then we're going to get the next one. So you got another one to come out the following week. 
Uh, okay, Alex, how can people get in touch with you for further information, webinars, coaching, etc.? Uh, write me at alex at pokeredrush.com. Just a heads up to everyone, I haven't gotten back to my emails in a few days because I'm doing about 20 lessons every day trying to catch up with all of you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, I just can't stay at the computer. I just keep falling off my chair and falling asleep. Uh, but, yeah, write me at alex at pokeredrush.com. I usually answer within about four days. Uh, that's the turnaround time. Uh, you can follow my blog, pokerheadroad.com. Just sign up for the newsletter while you're there uh, to just get emails from me about special deals that we're doing. Uh, we have a deal right now. Uh, we're doing $99 hand history lessons. Uh, it's not the Rolls-Royce package. Essentially, uh, if you get the big lessons, that's the complete workup on your game. That's where we deconstruct everything. I, 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 uh, I assign homework, I follow up with you, I, a lot of times I send extra materials. If you just want to get a hand history re review, you, you and your group of friends who review hand histories just want to get a hand history review, or you, you just want somebody to look at your final table, something like that, for one hour we're going to do $99 lessons for a while. I'm experimenting with this because I find I love watching hand histories more than anything. Uh, in the world almost, and uh, th those lessons are about 60 minutes. The $200 ones are 75, and they're generally, and there's a lot of follow-up work and stuff like that. This is just, we meet, boom, 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 pop that off that burn, click on your database and check it out. It, it, it's, it, there's many people that can afford a $200 product, that, uh, and there's many people who cannot. So it, in, I, I want to just make sure we're helping everybody here because the more I help you guys, the more money I make and I really like that and the better my poker game becomes and the better you guys become and that seems like a pretty odd business to be in so I'm very happy about that. So yeah, write me about that and if okay. you're into that. Uh, also, yeah, check out, yeah, yeah, and uh, check, check out my uh, newsletter, sign up for the newsletter so you can get all these exclusive uh, updates and uh, strategy articles and strategy videos that don't come out anywhere else and just get them all rounded up for you. And uh, okay. yeah. Uh, and apologies, Alex, for cutting you there. And apologies, guys, for the, the sound again was a little bit crackly and going there. And that's just part of uh, Alex, our fearless leader, is on the road in Manhattan. And uh, <laughs> sometimes we got to record the podcast on a, a 3G connection or a 4G connection and uh, to get it done. So we're going to take five minutes break and see how uh, what the connection's like for the next episode. And to check out information for Alex, I post it all in the show notes. And also you can listen to any other podcast at the end. We've got the full spiel as well there for all the details about Alex. And I do recommend getting on the, the newsletter because uh, it's something I read all the time and it's I always get something from it. Um, okay, Alex, uh, thanks for joining us live from Manhattan. Thanks to everyone for listening. I will try and edit out some of the crackling and underwater stuff and try and paste it together so it is uh, fine. But we were lucky. Most of it was great. It was just towards the end there. It was a little bit um, wobbly, shall we say. Um, but that adds to the charm, I like to think, of the OneHour.com podcast and the Ask Alex show. So until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers. 
Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. 